Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to AI Named This Show. I'm Tasia Custody and I'm Tristan Jutra. And we are your human hosts. Today we're celebrating ChatGPT's birthday by questioning if AI safety is really a thing and also by recapping the year that was for OpenAI. And Hey, I think I'm saying that right. Hey. Hi. 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 <laughs> like Harry Carey. Hi. Would you eat the moon? It was made of cheese. What I'm trying to say is, hi. Hey. To our listeners in Sweden, okay? I really mean no disrespect by the way. I legit just suck at language and I'm pretty sure it's hey. So I'm so sorry to our it's... Swedish listeners. <laughs> Because your English is likely better than our swedish so i would not doubt it and we also have to say happy first birthday to chatgpt everybody's favorite right. ai large language model <laughs> well happy first birthday to its public release november 30th 2022 the day that changed the world forever we'll get into that in a little bit Well, first. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say first, let's why don't we kick it off with everybody's favorite person, Elon Musk. What's he up to now, Tristan? <laughs> A little bit of Elon. Well, you may recall that Elon Musk was actually involved in the creation of OpenAI back in the day. He was his very first funder. He claims to have also named OpenAI. They parted ways when he felt that Tesla's own AI efforts were coming into conflict with OpenAI's efforts. He has since been critical, along with others, of OpenAI in that uh, since they created the for-profit arm and have really closed things up a little bit. But Elon's doing his own AI stuff. Grok is coming. You know, it's supposed to be launching this week as well for Twitter Premium users. Anyhow, TBD. TBD. <laughs> so Musk had an interview with uh, journalist Aaron Ross Sorkin this week, and a number of things came up. It was, uh, I think, he, uh, including uh, a big fu to advertisers, which was odd since they're his customers. But in the AI realm, uh, some people raised a few eyebrows based on the, some questions asked by Aaron Ross Sorkin and uh, answers given by Musk. So we thought we would just do a dramatic recreation <laughs> of one of the exchanges for you. And uh, then we'll just talk a little bit about that before we get on to our proper open AI news. So I just want to preface this by saying <laughs> I have to play Elon. I'm not happy about the casting. I'm going to do it and no I'm not going to attempt his voice or an accent or anything. Fair. 
If this is a straight table read. <laughs> exactly. So, Elon, one of the things about training on data has been this idea that you're not going to train on or these things aren't being trained on people's copyrighted information. Historically, that's been the concept. Yeah, that's a huge lie. Let's say that again. These AIs are all trained on copyrighted data, obviously. So you think it's a lie when OpenAI says that? None of these guys say that they're training on copyrighted data. Yeah, that's a lie. It's a lie, straight up. Straight up lie. Straight up now, tell me, do you really want to love me forever? He did not break into song. I took okay. liberties with the character. Okay, Paul Abdul. <laughs> Simmer. So now you might think, well, if you're not paying super close attention to the interaction here, like, well, what, what's wrong with this? Well, part of what's wrong with it is the, the, the premise is wrong, is that there's something called fair use. So to say that the... Um, the, the language models are trained on copyrighted data is, I mean, it's it, the, the data is copyrighted, but the use of it is, I mean, it's fair use. So, I mean, Aaron Ross Sorkin should have known that and Elon should have known that, but it's, it's also an opportunity for him to criticize his competitors. But at the same time, like you know, they're talking about how X is trained on Twitter's data and other people are posting on Twitter. So how is it any less egregious to be scraping that content and training on that content, which some might consider being copyrighted as well. So it's just, it's all, I mean, it's, it's a faulty premise and then it's kind of logically inconsistent. Uh, so, but that's not all. It gets weirder from there in that <laughs> Elon basically claims that it's kind of a category error in the, in the first place because his, the next quote, Tasia, and I'll throw to you. Ahem. <clears throat> I don't know, except to say that by the time these lawsuits are decided, we'll have a digital god. So you can ask digital god at that point. Um, these lawsuits won't be decided on a time frame that's relevant. So, I mean, there's some strong coffee right there. Given that some copyright lawsuits may take a couple of years to weave their way through the courts, two, three, five years. What he's claiming is that basically we're going to reach AGI, artificial general intelligence, which by some people's definition, is the capability of a general AI model to do most tasks at the capability or greater than a regular human being to, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a cost-effective way. So he figured, so he's basically implying that we'll be at AGI in the next few years. And Ray Kurzweil's going to be jumping and doing cartwheels, saying the singularity is here, and it's a game changer. Elon calling it digital god tells you what he thinks about that whole concept as well. So praise be, you know, <laughs> so whatever you think about copyright, Elon saying it's not going to matter because we're going to have bigger things to worry about by the time that this, this, they even get to the issue of settling what, you know, copyright and fair use and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, just your casual, no, no doom and gloom off the top of the show, that's for sure. <laughs> well, he could be a benevolent god. Not to harp on this too long, but as sometimes of an alarmist that he is, especially in the last few weeks with everything that happened with Sam Altman and OpenAI, and you know he was very much publicly on the side of something's happened and it's a big AI safety thing and they're not telling us and whatever that may be. Sometimes he can be what I would consider an alarmist, but... 
the premise. Like if you actually just look at what the point is underneath all that. Elon's premise? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, dig down to what, what the point really is. It's what everybody's been saying, including Sam Altman, is that this is moving faster than anybody anticipated. Large language models are getting smarter than quicker and learning faster than anybody anticipated. So things will happen quicker than we thought. Will it be on the timeline that Elon is saying? Ask us next week. (laughs) We don't know. But speaking of of my crush, Sam Altman. Your nunk? My nunk. I did look that up on Instagram. We may not be the first to that term, but we're using it. I believe the first in this way. So okay. we've we've coined it to be clear. If everybody starts looking on like Urban Dictionary, that's not how we're using this. <laughs> Is it term. problematic? No, but it's not. We're using it as a nerd hunk, a nunk. Okay, I just want to make that clear, just right off the top. But my nunk, of course, was still. I was going to say back in the news, but still in the news. So we really don't have any answers yet as to why Sam Altman was fired, then rehired in the matter of five days by OpenAI's board. Like There was record. a lot of speculation. Yeah, it was like record time, so much speculation. But in a recent interview, both he and Mira Marathi said that and AI she safety... A, she was a CTO, just so people remember, and who was CEO, temp CEO for 48 hours in that yeah. whole debacle a couple of weekends ago. Yeah, they both said in this latest interview that AI safety was never the issue, He even says that he welcomes the internal investigation that they're going to do. And they both kind of danced around and hinted to the fact that it's like a miscommunication thing. It was never a safety thing. And he's not going to comment further at this time. But it kind of, with all this rhetoric and what Elon is saying about, you know, that this, it could be a safety thing. Is AI safety even really a thing anymore for OpenAI or any any of this just moving so quickly? Can that be a thing? Well, the way this is all kind of come out in the wash is that most of the board that was asking for Altman's ouster were the ones who were most concerned with safety. They did manage to hang on to one you know, slightly uh, sort of opposed entity in the form of the CEO of uh, Quora, who's still on the board. It sounds like Greg Brockman and Sam Altman won't be on the board necessarily. It sounds like Microsoft might be on the board to, for their interests, which some people have a problem with because this is the board of the not-for-profit. This is not, the, there, there is no board, for, as far as I know, for the holding company or for the for-profit company that Microsoft has, uh, you know, of course, the commercial relationship they'll have a non a non-voting seat exactly so non a non-voting seat all right and that's and that's what some folks had predicted now this the conflict and the way it's all kind of washed out the the people that were most concerned about safety there's two members they're gone now and the idea the the current boards uh there's a couple new people have been put on the board including uh larry summers and there is the notion that they need to fill out the rest of the board to nine. The board was all, it was supposed to be nine people. And the fact it was only six may have led to this because the fewer people you have, the fewer checks and balances you have, the you know, fewer debates you have to have it easy. So we'll see what happens here. But 
the fallout of this whole drama and the fact that Sam Altman has kind of been vindicated, a lot of people are now saying, well, have the effective accelerationists won now? Are the, are the safetyists, are the doomers, the decels, as they're sometimes referred to, have they lost? Because open a, does OpenAI and Sam Altman, uh, now do they now have carte blanche to just, like we said last week, go pedal to the metal? But I do want to just interject and say, devil's advocate, he is very clear in all his interviews. And whether this is just a PR punch or not, I, this every interview he does, he always makes sure to say that he is on the side of safety and efficacy. So it doesn't mean it's not going to move fast, but he's always clear to get that line in. Just if we all keep that <laughs> the top of our cap. <laughs> And he's been pushing for regulation as well. And of course, the skeptical take there, and we've, as we've discussed in the past, mm -hmm. is that regulation benefits the incumbents. So if you're already in the lead, the idea is you pull the ladder up behind you because it's harder for startups and smaller companies, if they're not, those who are not as well-funded, to jump through all the hoops and, and be, uh, you know, to follow all the regulations. So we'll see. If, is it genuine? Does he genuinely concerned about safety? Or being the serial entrepreneur that he is, does he just want to move as fast as possible, make as much money as possible? Although you get to a certain point, and a lot of these folks aren't really motivated by money so much. They want to change the world. And that can be exciting, but it can also be scary because it depends on what their vision of the future world is. So it seems like, at least for now, it's Sam Altman and the effective accelerationists one. And Maybe based on the uh, all the stuff about the UK Safety Summit and the executive order, is it the AI safetyist one? Is it a draw right now, Tasia? How do you feel? It's just so hard to say because you have the one side clearly saying this had nothing to do with safety. And then the other side clearly saying, well, what the heck else could it have to do with? And there's just a lot of a lot of assumptions being made, if and you then will. Then there's still the speculation, did they did they discover AGI already? And that was the danger. That's and the, the other board thing. wanted him out of there before he they went and commercialized it without telling them. And they were they it seems like they got spooked by OpenAI Dev Day and all the features there, including the custom GPTs, just being released into the wild. That's the other thing I was wondering too. Like we also have to think of it as whatever's getting released publicly or any outsider public speculation probably doesn't it's either wildly inaccurate or doesn't even clip the surface. Because if you're inside and you're already working on all of this, you're probably like, oh, oh, Q-Star, that's old news, man. Yeah, we've had that rolling even like like before. We're on we put, Q ampersand now. Yeah, right? Before we made ChatGPT public, we just don't know what to, you know, we're using all this data maybe from ChatGPT to help train. The, and, you know, we just don't know yet how to use this or what we'll use this. About. So like, it, we just, this, we have to be careful that our podcast doesn't just become a speculation. Exactly. We can make a lot of speculation. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But... So rather than speculate, we're actually going to take the opportunity to do a little recap of the year to celebrate the one year anniversary of the public release of ChatGPT. We're just going to saunter through the year, um, (laughs) talk about some of the key releases that came out, maybe offer a few thoughts on them. And um, it's sort of a a bit of a different episode for us today as ChatGPT turns one, at least in its public incarnation. So... Let's walk down memory lane, shall we? Our little baby. (laughs) Our baby's one. Well, Tristan, as you said, November 30th, last year, 2022, ChatGPT was thrust out of the womb. (laughs) I'll never say that again. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But Someone's not going to walk straight for a while. But, I mean, holy moly, what a big baby it was because within... Five days of its release, it had over one million users, which is giant. And if we can all go back to one year ago, it was little baby chat. It was little baby GPT three, mm-hmm. is what it was. Just GPT four was just a twinkle <laughs> in That's daddy's insane. eye. <laughs> <laughs> but it really did. It really did. I don't want to sound you know lax about this. It changed the world. And it got, it was like, it's been couched as the uh, fastest growing or the you know, product launch of all time. Um, so we, in comparison to get to 100, it was 100 million users. Oh, sorry, sorry. It got to 1 million, 1 users, million users within five days of its, its release. So to be fair, Threads kind of beat it because it only took one hour but there were yeah but nobody's using it anymore well and also they had an easy onboarding because of instagram right but by comparison it took netflix three and a half years to get to a million users kickstarter 2.5 years airbnb two and a half years as well twitter two years foursquare 13 months facebook 10 months dropbox seven months spotify five months instagram two and a half months and like i said you know threads one hour but so at the so, so again they had the 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 benefit of having an Instagram login. So a lot of people are like, oh, you want to join threads? There you go. So that shows you the advantage of an incumbent. So once you've got one thing built and you've got a huge social graph, it's it's easy to kickstart another thing. So that was ChatGPT at the time. Five days to one million users from a cold start is pretty remarkable. Cold start, completely different than anything, you know, publicly we had been using at the time. They were it, first out of the gate. And it caught people's imagination like crazy. And it, I think it got to 100 million users within a, a month or so. It was, it was wild. But that was, so that was GPT-3. It, we, we came to understand it was actually GPT-3.5. Eventually, they released GPT-3.5 Turbo, the free version. But then uh, in March, they unveiled GPT-4. In March of this year, yep. Yeah, so March 2023, they unveiled GPT-4, which had significant improvements, 1.76 trillion parameters compared to GPT-3's 175 billion parameters. So that is 
a, a tenfold increase, like how much stuff it can can hold in its brain at once. 40% better performance on accuracy and hallucin, hallucination mitigation and got better at things like summarization, translation, essay writing. There you go, kids. And answering questions. People were using GPT-3 for a lot of those tasks, but it just got better. Some, By some accounts, people are saying it was like 15 times better. It's I don't know how you quantify things like that exactly, but it Even was- Even back when I was home for Christmas, so before that, you know, mm-hmm. GPT-4 in March. So like it had been, what, about a month after it had been released? I was chit-chatting with my niece about it. I mean, they had been all over that. They were, they, it was that grade level, you know, like university kind of school, like level kids that were like all over it upon launch, like day one, like, you know, like they were like, oh, this is us. So yeah, I mean, it was working now. It's obviously so much Those kids are going to find a way to get their homework done even more quickly, right? Good efficiency. Good for them. But it was also in March of 2023 that they added ChatGPT plugins for more functionality. So there's things like Expedia and Link Reader and I don't know. I mean, Wolfram Alpha for computation, like for math. Yes, there's video insights. There's there's a lot. There's PDF, PDF readers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they really kind of showed that their focus now is like, okay, how do we integrate this in with say like Slack? or Expedia or something like that, where now we could really start to see the day-to-days, like beyond the, what I call the surface level stuff of people being like, cool, it can do a bit of code, it can solve a math problem, it can write an essay, it can write a play, but here's how it's really gonna help my day-to-day, my integrations when I'm booking travel or when I'm in my Slack messages and when I'm billing people and so on and so forth. So. That was kind of a huge, I think, a huge thing that happened in March. And to be clear, I believe both both the plugins feature and GPT-4 were only available to GPT Plus users. Correct. So at, at twenty dollars a month, and it was remarkable how quickly they decided to monetize, which was probably smart because if a lot of, enough people saw the value in it, they could get some cash coming in the door. So you know, they're hemorrhaging money. <laughs> exactly. This compute is expensive. One of the other types of plugins that was available uh, at the time was were some web browsing plugins because we were still operating with the September 2021 cutoff date for its knowledge base. So having some web reader plugins in there um, were, were handy. I think that was around the same time as that uh, ChatGPT announced its own Bing plugin, but then they removed it uh, soon after because they found that people were using it to get around... Um, paywalls for articles and stuff from from certain uh, journalism sites so they i think they retooled it behind the scenes but they weren't done yet there was more news in july you live you learn <laughs> sometimes you don't know about the whoopsie doopsie until it happens and then you got to recalibrate mm-hmm. that's okay but yeah in july uh, custom instructions were introduced into chat gpt which is very exciting so which leads to greater control for the users, which is, you know, I mean, again, this is all just how we can customize our little, our little chatbots. You know, you could set your preferences that were kind of set on the back end and say, like, as an example, this is the tone I want. This is mm, like my demographic. This is, you know, so for me, I might say like, I I like a fun tone. I like a conversational tone. I do have kids or I don't have kids. I mean, you could set a bunch of different preferences. And then that way, 
ChatGPT can give you more tailored responses. Is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and so it's a it's a global setting that applies to all ch new chats going forward. It doesn't get applied retroactively, unfortunately, even when you pick up some of those old chats again. But there were, there were two main fields. One was, like you said, telling it a little bit about yourself, and that might include your education level. So it's giving you responses that are appropriate for your education level. And then uh, in the other field, where how would you like ChatGPT to respond? You could have it say things. You could say things like. You know, don't constantly warn me about you're not an expert in X and I should consult an expert because that gets annoying pretty quickly. So I actually found a great prompt from Seth Godin that really structures the responses in, in a way and also provides counterpoints for a lot of uh, uh, issues it brings up as well. And it, it, it's provided a lot more logical answers, I found. In some ways, you're helping to dial, you, know, you can dial up the creativity if you want creative responses, but it'll tend to hallucinate more. You can ask it to dial down the creativity and be more precise, kind of like um, switch controls they have in uh, Bing Chat or Microsoft Copilot, for example. Similar kind of things, except you're doing it in a, a written form here. And the, so this is a global setting that applies to all your chats going forward. This kind of returns later on in, the, in custom GPTs, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So they weren't done yet. In August, they had they'd add advanced data analysis. So this, this was, is an enterprise feature. I can't speak to this, Tristan. <laughs> so there was something that they had uh, that had been in GPT four for a while called uh, Co Co Code Interpreter, which gave you enhanced capabilities for analyzing data. And so they renamed it because Code Interpreter. A lot of people thought, well, is it just for code? And it was good for helping with code, like programming, you know, um, software development and the like. But what this uh, enhanced data analysis let you do is <clears throat> work with numbers, analyzing, uh, analyzing them, you know, no noticing trends and uh, doing things with graphs and charts and the like. So um, more so than what the free model could do. So um, now it's available to everyone via the chat GPT store, sorry, by, by the GPT store, not just enterprise subscribers. So this is something that we've, that's starting to happen. Some of the things that, end, that start as premium features are trickling down to the free version, which is handy for people like you. Yay. But then an exciting new feature, Teja, came in October. And there I was cannot actually a believe few. we're talking about like a month ago-ish, mm -hmm. <laughs> the launch of Dolly 3. So we talk a lot about multimodal, capabilities and this is their latest iteration of the text to image generator dolly 3 so i mean it was it was huge for them because do you remember when we were comparing the images that they showed i think we did this did we do this a few episodes ago am i am i hallucinating where we talked about them like tweaking wasn't there an image with a girl am i making this up spit it out <laughs> Because I can only vaguely remember the image. Am I an AI-generated image? <laughs> I think so. Like, they did a prompt before with an earlier version of Jolly, and then they did Dolly 3 to yes. see the refinement in yes. the images. You're not hallucinating. That was oh a real my thing. God. And they showed some before before and after images. Yes. I thought I was making that and, up. And it was getting better. And it was, it was getting the more accurate number of fingers yes. this time. That's always a thing. And it wasn't as... Animated is not the right word, but it was almost more reality-based, if that makes sense, like in the images we were looking at. So what? So a couple of the key elements with the release of Dolly 3 was the integration 
into ChatGPT rather than having to use Dali 3 as a, as a separate thing from OpenAI. AI. Part of that was being able to use natural language prompts rather than trying to figure out the exact esoteric prompt, sometimes with parameters like people would often do in mid-journey. It's being able to create images. So what, you give it your natural language prompt and then it creates its own prompt behind the scenes based on interpreting your language because GPT is great at languages. So then you get closer to what it thinks you're going to want. It generally gives you one image at a time. I mean, we've had similar functionality in uh, in Bing Chat as, or sorry, Bing Image Generator, which is separate from Bing Chat, but they did add the natural language capabilities to that as well. And with the Bing version, you tend to get four images at a time and can refine from there. But this whole multimodal thing, so it's not just text anymore, it's let's generate images. Now, one thing in this article that we've been referring to from datacamp.com, there's a couple of things that they actually missed here that were pretty big deals in the history of features being added to ChatGPT, at least for the GPT Plus users. That includes GPT Vision or GPT V, which is the ability to upload images and have it analyze things, read things for you. Combined with things like the, uh, the advanced analysis slash code interpreter, you could do things like draw a picture. This is something they teased back in the spring. Draw a picture, a wireframe of a web, a web page, upload it and have it write the code for you uh, for HTML and CSS, what that web page might look like. You could draw a picture of a video game and describe, like say it's like someone did Pong, uh, describe some of the basic rules and it'll write the code for you as well. Again, some iter so some back and forth might be required there, but the I've I've taken pictures of things and you know asked it for information. I was trying to it sometimes it doesn't succeed. It needs to be clear, it can't zoom enhance like crazy, at least not yet. I was took a picture at the bottom of a piece of pottery, a, a bit of an antique, trying to understand what the markings were. It gave some general feedback of some lines of inquiry to pursue. Unfortunately, it was not able to uh, exactly determine the provenance of said antique, but it tried. And there's all uh, other things uh, you know that you can take a photo of. And it's kind of like uh, Google image search on steroids. So GPT Vision is one thing that they added there. And then GPT Voice. So now it's not just text to speech that you've been able to uh, do, just like speaking your prompt in there, but you can have a ongoing back and forth conversation where you hit the little headphones button, you speak, and then it'll just start replying to you right away in its own voice as well. So it's decoding what you're saying, interpreting it, figuring out an answer, and then saying it back to you in the, the voice that uh, for it that you choose. And that's actually pretty cool. It's Remember back on Momentous Live months and months ago, we were playing with an app called Call Annie. And there's a whole bunch of different personalities that they have there, including the Bro9000, bro who's a super bro. Um, <laughs> But this one is more just the GPT, however you have, uh, you know, described it in your custom, your, your custom uh, instructions. Pretty handy. And the weird thing, though, that you got to be careful of is that even if you turn your phone off, it'll keep listening. You actually have to, like, cl cl you know, close out the app. So just watch for the little, on some uh, devices like iPhones, they'll have a little orange dot that shows when the mic is still active. So be careful, because I've thought I've finished a chat, and then, you know, then I'll say something to a, a friend, and then... ChatGPT is still listening and it gives me an answer. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So again, I know some, some of us don't care about privacy so much, but you know, just, just close the chat up. Pro tip. Well, then it was 
November 6th, I believe, right before Sam Altman drama happened, OpenAI had their first ever dev day. He made a lot of announcements, including things like um, new AI capabilities, new products. He even talked about the GPT store and creating custom GPTs, which we talked about in, I think, our last episode. So if you want more information on that... Which is very exciting. I'm pretty excited for the store, actually. I think that's really cool. But it was like a super relaxed event. It was chill. It was just kind of like, oh, you know. It wasn't as chill as the Humane AI people, just to be clear. No, it was not borderline as chill comatose. As that was a little too chill. But no, it was like almost just more casual, more unassuming, if you will. You know, and he was like, and then we can do this. And wait, if you think that's cool, just hang on. Like. There's so much more, but, you know, here's this and here's it, it was just so like, I guess if this is just your normal everyday stuff, I guess you don't really need to get people hyped about it. People are already hyped about it, but it was cool. It was a really good developers conference. The developers seemed pretty excited to be able to kind of customize their GPTs and and mold it to their specific use cases. So it's it's once again positioning them as leading the industry they're the ones that everyone's coming for and they're just they're running and gunning baby <laughs> so the idea with custom gpts is what we talked about with custom instructions uh, just a few minutes ago but having that on a on a, uh, a a chat by chat basis or you could so i've, I've created one um so far in in my uh interface and when you create a gpt it'll stay there so you can choose from chat gpt normal or whatever you've named some of your custom gpts so your custom instructions will be for each of those it doesn't have to be for every chat ever and what you do is you um, you basically explain to it what it is that you want to do and it creates the prompt behind the scenes to make a chatbot that that is an expert in that. So I think one of the examples we talked about previously is going and uploading a bunch of your, your company's uh, inf inf HR information and have it be an expert in that, just being able to ask questions. Or let's say you um, you have uh, manuals for products or services. You could upload those in there and then you basically have a bot that could answer questions that you type in natural language rather than having to like scroll through a manual or you know dig around or you know use old-fashioned search. You just use natural language search. And then... Once you've got a GPT that you've cut fully customized and you think might have appeal to other people, there's a GPT store where that you could go and actually try and sell it, and they'll take a little cut. And so they're trying to build a whole e ecosystem here, a la you know Apple's App Store, Google's Play Store, and the like. So it was a lot of excitement around this. Um, it was kind of like their WWDC sort of moment, sort of like Apple's uh, Worldwide Developers Conferences, and um, along with this. Uh, with these announcements of uh, custom GPTs in the dev day, GPT-4 Turbo. So we've been operating with GPT-3.5 Turbo in the in the background for free users and for API users. Well, now GPT-4 Turbo uh, was re uh, released, and they've been trying to get the prices uh, down, but make it so make it faster and cheaper, which is brilliant. And I've noticed even just using Chat GPT Plus, GPT-4 now is faster than it used to be in. Early on, it was much slower compared to 3.5 Turbo, but now it's uh, it's a bit snappier, which is nice. So, and again, we've talked about custom models um, or custom GPTs and the GPT store. And then Tasia, <laughs> a couple weeks later. And then what nobody saw coming was 
in a matter of five days, Altman being ousted in a coup and then reinstated to open <laughs> AI in a... If you, if you blinked, you could have missed it. Yeah. If you went on vacation and you were like, you know what? I just don't want to be... I just want a few days of no news. Boy, you came back well to the same, but different. <laughs> it was the quickest turnaround. He's not the first CEO to leave a company whether being fired or not and come back but he's definitely the quickest in five days and i'm pretty sure the board tried to make it happen in about 24 hours and that had failed so and we saw a couple of the shortest ceo terms uh in in the in the process as well with mayor Marathi 48 hours emmett Shear, i guess 72 hours if allman was back within five days or so yeah and again Satya Nadella, I mean, and Microsoft seem to come out the best from all of this because no matter what happened, they were either going to get Altman and um, and uh, Greg Brockman, his uh, co-founder <laughs> and the former president of OpenAI, and potentially hundreds of OpenAI staff into Microsoft, or things would go back to the way they were, and Microsoft would maybe have a little bit more influence. You know, non-voting member of the board, but maybe a bit more parental supervision to open AI. So some people described it as Satya Nadella's masterstroke. <laughs> Meanwhile, some people wondering what's going on at Google. But there were other things that happened during the year. It wasn't all about open AI. We had the launch of Google Bard in February 23. We had Workspace AI um, for, I don't know about these guys. Oh, this is a data camp product. We saw Llama open source language models from Meta. So they're taking the open source approach, which some people think is a great idea. And other people think it's a bad idea because then other parties that maybe you don't agree with could get their hooks into that stuff and use that to create you know, malicious AIs. There's something called Pandas AI that came out in 2023. It's a Python library to help with uh, you know, for development, something called Mistral 7B in t September by a French startup called Mistral AI. They're based in Paris, which is apparently quite versatile. And then another development, Stable Video Diffusion. So Stable Diffusion is another image generation platform, which has been uh, quite powerful. So a, um, a rival to, say, like Dali or Midjourney. Well, they've kicking things up a notch to use a terrible phrase, and now being able to more easily animate things, sometimes with nightmarish results, but they're getting better and better. Frame rates from 3 to 30 frames per second. And, um, there was also yeah, so, Duet AI from Google. Oh, Google, yeah, and and that's their corporate. Well, I think we'll, we'll be talking about Duet a little bit next time around when we get into uh, Amazon's AWS announcements because that's a competitor. There's Gemini. Google talked up Gemini, their next big model, but we haven't really heard a peep from them yet. Not so, yet. Tasia, your team's falling behind. Are they falling behind or are they doing things as slow as they can for safety? <laughs> but isn't safety dead after yeah. all? Well, this, this begs the question. So do we have some further reading for... Uh, we have a little further reading. We'll leave you with an article from TheVerge.com. And the title of said article is, ChatGPT is winning the future. But what future is that? 
So basically, it just has a little recap of the year in the sense, uh, you know, reminding us of things how ChatGPT has become the fastest growing consumer technology in history, sparking a revolution in the AI industry. So earlier last year, we were seeing some things from Midjourney and and uh, you know the, and other image generation platforms, um, but it was the text. The, the, the chat bots that really got people intrigued with the launch, the public launch of chat GPT really captured people's imaginations because we're used to chatting with people via text message. And this is just kind of the same thing. And we tend to imbue some personality into that when we're chatting, chatting with, even if it's just an AI. Um, so the article explores how AI has changed various sectors and products from Microsoft's Bing and their co-pilots to Amazon's Alexis and AWS, which we'll be talking about next week. It mentions some of the technical, ethical, and legal issues that AI faces, such as reliability, safety, and creativity, themes that we've been touching on since the inception of this show back in August 2023. And the article concludes by asking what kind of AI we want and need and whether AI can truly transform the world in a positive way. Uh, noting that AI is still evolving and improving, and there are many unknowns and uncertainties about its potential and implications. A key line from the article I noticed was, so let's get back to that broader question, Tasia. What are we actually building here? Because this has all happened so fast, I think we can all agree, and because the effects of AI are so potentially wide-ranging, 2023 has forced everyone to play catch-up on what it all means. What does it all mean, Basil? <laughs> title of today's episode. <laughs> well, I'm excited. We did a little walk down memory lane to celebrate our little baby AI, ChatGPT's first public birthday. <laughs> and we'll explore in future episodes what it all means. As as the god come. What did, what did Elon refer to it? Digital god? Digital god. Oh, boy. We're going to have the digital god. Ah, Just... It's almost Christmas time. It'll be a digital god nativity coming up soon. There's a prompt you could put in. Oh, boy. And see what image. Let's do a challenge. <laughs> Let's have everybody put a prompt in. A tech, their favorite text-to-image generator of a digital god nativity scene. And tell us what you get back. <laughs> Maybe we'll share them on... A future episode of the show, if there's any that are yeah. safe for work and that we let's, can share. And let's try and go easy on the blasphemy if we can. <laughs> just, just just, slight. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of AI Named This Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would very much love if you could leave us a review there because it really does help push this show to more people. And that is what it's all about. So thank you so much for joining us. AI and goodbye. Bye, 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 bye.